Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. This week's episode is brought to you by Baby Sensory Kildare and Carlo. So Baby Sensory are fun-filled learning and development classes for all babies from birth to 13 months. Baby Sensory is the perfect hour to bond and play with your baby while learning baby development facts, milestone information and lots of exciting ways to stimulate your baby's senses. You'll experience a new theme every week and learn hundreds of different activities to enhance your baby's learning and development. You'll love seeing them be mesmerised by the magical Say Hello to the Sunshine song at the start of every class. Multi-award winning and backed by over 40 years of research, you can trust that baby sensory classes are of the highest quality. Voted Best Baby Class in Ireland's Mum and Tots Awards. You can join any time at www.babysensory.ie forward slash Kundair and find out why parents and babies all over the world love Baby Sensory. You also have the option to pay as you go or you can book a block of classes. So to find out more information, if you just visit the website and you can get in touch with Kira, who would be more than happy to help. So in this week's episode, I chat to Mairead and she talks me through her two pregnancies and the births of her sons. So Mairead planned on having a home birth with her first little boy, but her waters broke and there wasn't much progress within the 24 hours. So she was transferred to hospital. She did feel that that was a shock to the system, the bright lights. Uh, She was monitored and she ended up having an epidural because her labour was quite long and she felt that that was definitely the right decision because it gave her a chance to just rest and recharge for his birth. She talks us through motherhood then, first time around, which I, I love hearing. I love hearing people's experiences. So she is very honest. We then dive into her second pregnancy and she opted to go for a home birth as well. So she had her home birth with her second little boy, but it, it, his arrival was very, very swift. So speaking to her again, she mentioned that it's, it's known as a precipitous birth, um, which is basically fast and furious birth and I've spoken to some people since who've experienced the same so it can be equally as shocking as a as a traumatic experience but she had 
a very pleasant experience and has such fond, fond memories saying that she felt really powerful and yeah, she felt great afterwards. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. So Mairead, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. If you want to just start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Um, so I am Mairead. I have two um, children, two boys. One is three and one is five. And a husband and a cat and a dog and we live in Leitrim in the countryside and we lived in Dublin when both of the boys were born so we only moved okay. when the littler one was a baby. So we'll get stuck into your first pregnancy. Was your pregnancy planned? Um, yes it was yeah um, like I had like we were, to, we were together like about a year I think when I started talking about <laughs> wanting to have kids um I guess I'd been in a long-term relationship and then I met and that ended and then I met my husband uh, and um we just kind of knew it was you know this was the real thing and so I was like well (laughs) we don't let's not let's not delay you know why not um and he really wanted to have kids as well like um but it took him a bit longer to actually decide to try if you know what I mean okay yeah, like he um, definitely wanted to be a dad, but it just took him a while to decide, like to really go for it, you know. So when you did decide to start tracking your cycle or anything like that? Um, yeah, I started tracking my cycle and I think I had a fairly regular cycle and I kind of knew a good bit about like the time, like, like where you're at in your cycle and when is the best time and all that. And so like... Um, it happened really like we were really lucky it happened really quickly for us um and I was surprised you know like I don't know because until you start trying you don't know you spend so long in your life trying being in relationships and trying not to get pregnant exactly I know yeah (laughs) and then yeah so you never know there's always that worry um so we were really lucky that um it happened quite quickly for us did you feel you were pregnant or did you have any inclination that you were um I think I felt like I was yeah like I don't think I ever said that to anybody but and I don't know maybe that's sort of wishful thinking as well um but yeah I think I I thought it was like I remember the day that we the, the day that probably the day that we <laughs> um had the sex that conceived the baby um yeah I remember clearly the day itself so um yeah I did think I was pregnant so then but I mean I was still obviously surprised to find the results of the test and everything I took the test the first like the first day of my miss period um and I was on my own and I took it in work and he was traveling he was like he not far like he was still in the country but he was um not far so I went to wait for a few days to see him to tell him so I kind of had this little secret kept to myself for a few days oh like <laughs> so many women <laughs> have actually done that and I like even when I wasn't my first contraction I was like Sean I can't keep anything <laughs> to myself <laughs> so tell me how did you yeah. feel in those first few weeks um really happy but really anxious in those first few weeks um yeah like really anxious you know like they like I'd had friends who had miscarriages and you know what the statistics are so like people were starting to talk about it so you know how, how common it is and how also the difficulties people have um becoming pregnant I was very aware of all that so I thought I don't know I suppose it felt like I, we, we'd gotten lucky but like I didn't want to count 
my um, count of chickens before they, <laughs> before they hatched. Um, so yeah, I was really anxious actually. Um, and I remember going to a home birth support group meeting because I, I was doing a pregnancy yoga teacher training course. So there were a lot of people who are in interested in home birth then in that course and the instructor, I, I told her I was pregnant very early on and she told me to go to immediately try to book in a midwife. And so I went along like I was a week after having the pregnancy test and I went along to this home birth support group and it was just brilliant to just be able to talk to those people because I hadn't told the rest of my family or anybody at that point. Um, and that helped, I think, to make it feel real and a bit more solid, even though I was still, I think, quite nervy until we had our first scan, you know, or until maybe I started feeling the morning sickness a bit or, or the, not extremely so, but feeling a little bit of the effects, you know. And when did you, when did you start to feel symptoms? <clears throat> I'd say probably a couple of weeks after having the pregnancy test, I think. Um, and just like that, oh my God, that like some nausea, but like the extreme tiredness that I think nobody tells you about. <laughs> you know, like being in work and wanting to crawl in under my desk by <laughs> by lunchtime. Or in the afternoon, and then not being able to tell anybody in work that that's why you're so wrecked and incapable of focusing. Um, so that was it for me. Yeah, the tiredness is just oh, it's awful. And, and what, then, so when you were when you talk about the home birth there, what hospital did you did you decide to attend for your scans? And had you did you tell them at that point that you wanted a home birth, or had you spoken to your GP? Um, I didn't speak to my GP. I decided like. I think when I was doing like doing this the pregnancy yoga training training course, I decided if I was gonna if I was get, getting pregnant, I was gonna have a home birth. Okay. And um, and I had one friend who had a home birth as well, and she just didn't she treated it as something very normal, you know. So I didn't think it was something crazy and out there until I started mentioning it to my family. <laughs> but um, I decided to go to the coom. Um, I had friends who'd gone to the coom, and so I went there for my scans. And I told them from the outset, yeah, that I was planning um, the home birth. And I think I told the GP after a while and the GP was like completely unhelpful. <laughs> and even, you know, telling me, like I'd already talked to a midwife at that point, I think. And, you know, she was trying to tell me that like as a first time mom, you couldn't have a home birth, you know. So I think, I don't know if it's improved in terms of what the GPs know now, but then like that was like six years ago. Um, it was pretty dismal, actually. Um, in terms of what they seem to know about um, how the home birth thing works. Um, but in the coom, they were okay. It was all the midwives. And there was one midwife in particular in the coom who was really pro-home birth. And she'd been a home birth midwife, I think, in Germany herself. And I used to see her quite often. And she did the antenatal classes that I went to as well. So it was great to have somebody else on the hospital side who was so pro-home birth. So obviously, when did you meet your midwife? Sorry, the uh, home birth midwife. I think I met her shortly after having the first, the dating scan. Like, I think I would have spoke, yeah, I would have spoken to her on the phone um, prior to that. And then she, I think um, we had a first meeting at, in our apartment. Yeah. Shortly after the dating scan to kind of talk through things, make sure my husband was <laughs> on board with this. And um, it was great. Like from the very first time we met her, I felt so 
safe and reassured about everything and like there was somebody I could go to mm. to ask whatever needed to be asked you know and like you know you had her phone number and your email address you know like whereas with the hospital it's hard to if you've got a question like and you want to talk to the consultants or whatever like it doesn't seem like this it's hard to get them to answer the phone sometimes you know um as I found out the second time around but um yeah, it was brilliant. Like from the very first um, time I spoke with the um, home birth midwife, I felt like I was in really good hands. In your final trimester, how did you feel? And what was your first signs of going into labour? In the final trimester, I think I felt pretty good. Um, you know, I felt like heavier and slower and needing to pee all of the time. and But I felt good and excited. And yeah, I felt like I had... I don't know I felt like I prepared really well and I was doing all the things I was supposed to do and um getting the apartment ready and getting the testing out the birthing pool and um yeah I was just really excited I think coming up um towards the due date did you do anything to prepare uh I know you said you're a yoga instructor but did you do any hypnobirthing or gentle do you use gentle birth to help you at all I used some gentle births and I did use some hip, other hypnobirthing tracks as well. And like I read a lot. I read loads of things like Ina May Gaskin's birth stories um, and lots of other birth stories and things like Birthing from Within. Have you come across this book? It's a really lovely book, which has lots of um, different preparation things for birth in it. Okay. Um, and so I did all that. I did pregnancy yoga. Um, and I was generally quite like fit and I felt so well that I like felt like I was prepared. And I did all the things like the perennial massage and all the things the midwife tells you to do. And this, um, I think they don't use the, there's a thing called the epino, which is about like, this balloon that you use to kind of simulate the stretching of the, of the um, perineum during labor. Yeah. I haven't heard of anyone using that. I'm really <laughs> intrigued by it. Go on, tell me more. Um, so I think the idea is like the perennial massage that you kind of get the muscle that, that the tissue there used to that bit of stretching. So it's not so it prevents tearing when it comes to labor. And um, the, the one I used was called an epino. And I think there's one, there's one that is used um, more these days. It's, it's a, um, a different brand. So I think epino is the brand, but it's the same principle and it's also a pelvic floor trainer. So you, um but I think the thing it helped most with was like that um, that feeling of birthing and, and stretching and the thing that you've, that you've never felt before, you know, and kind of reducing a little bit of the fear okay. of it by having somehow felt a little bit of it before. So I would listen to hypnobirthing tracks and use that um, at the same time. So you're not, I suppose, to like eliminate the kind of weird reaction you have to the discomfort or um because you've already done it and you've done it while you're trying to <laughs> maintain a nice relaxed state with your hypnobirthing mm. so um yeah so sorry it's a it's a balloon is it it's a balloon that you so it's a balloon that you um can insert into the entrance to the vagina yeah. you don't it doesn't go up very high but then you inflate it once it's in and you kind of have to, have to hold it in so you inflate it once it's in until it gets a little bit, until you're stretching a little bit. Okay. The um, 
the 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 same place you do the perennial massage, so around the perennial area, and then you um, slowly release it out. So kind of with control, you're releasing out the inflated balloon now. Okay. And how often did you do that? Um, I think like from maybe 37 weeks I was doing it like most nights. Oh, okay. Good. Again, this is my midwife. My, my Like basically my midwife, like whatever she told me to do. Yeah, you just do it, don't you? <laughs> I pretty much did. You know, she had so much experience. She was like, yeah, I thought, okay, she knows what the useful things are here. So I, um, so I did those things. So what was your first signs of going into labor? Um, so I think I woke in the middle of the night, like about 3 a.m. No, the first signs were I, I had a show. You know, so I lost the, the mucus plug. Like that in the evening of a Saturday. Um, and yeah, so I thought, okay, this means something is going to happen. Obviously, I thought something was going to happen immediately. But <laughs> not you know that's not no I know now that's not necessarily the case but anyway then I went to bed and I woke up around three o'clock in the morning with um some mild contractions and my waters had broken so like not a big gush of waters but there was a trickle of waters um broken so um I think I got up for a while and then went back to bed and tried to sleep it was fairly mild so um but then I was up again by six and they were kind of more intense. And I think at that point I told um, my midwife, you know, I just sent her a message to let her know what was happening and told her that the waters had, had gone as well. Um, and so like it kind of, they were fairly close together, like in, like to begin with, you know, maybe five minutes apart to begin from the very start. And they weren't so intense, but they got intense quite quickly and I had a lot of back pain as well. And I suppose I thought, like, I've not been in labour before. They're, they're five months apart. I was, I thought, okay, this is definitely going to happen quite quickly or at least, you know, within a day or <laughs> within 12 hours, I'm going to have, have my baby. And so it was like, I think my midwife advised me, you know, to go for a walk, but I didn't feel like going outside. You know, you just, I... It's kind of in that little cocoon in our apartment and um, using the ball and on all fours on my yoga mat and eating little bits and pieces. And then, but that was all day. <laughs> I went on all day and they were still at the same five minutes apart all day. And then the midwife came over in the evening and she examined me. And I, well, you know, I think I was maybe one, one centimeter and not fully effaced. And I was, you know, I was doing okay, but it was, I was sorry by then. So she went away and it was intense enough that I couldn't sleep or anything. So um, I was up all night and then she came again um, in the night. So now it's, what am I talking about? So it was all day Saturday. So <laughs> I'm losing, losing the track of the days. So um yeah, so in the middle, like, so that's it. So all day Sunday, I'm in labour. And then in the middle, in the morning, like Sunday Sunday night, midnight, um, the midwife came back again. And she stayed through the night. And I think about three in the morning, we filled up the pool. 
had this whole thing where like the hose didn't fit properly onto the tap and <laughs> it took ages to fill up and I eventually um got into the pool and it helped a lot but I was still like not very um like I was examined a couple of times she examined me a couple of times in the meantime and I still wasn't progressing very much in terms of dilation even though it was getting quite intense yeah and um because the waters had broken and maybe around four five around five in the morning um she kind of let me know that if within 24 hours of the waters breaking they have to refer you to the hospital or send you to the hospital if you're not you know pretty close pretty close to having the baby out so um yeah, we stayed a bit longer at home. I was in the pool and it was great. And I felt so much better. I'd use the tens as well in early labor, but I found the pool so much um, more helpful than using the tens machine. There was also a point like I was exhausted. Like I was there like at, I don't know three in the morning, and I was walking up and down the stairs like in our apartment block because she was trying to get help me to move the baby down. So she had me kind of like walking and doing these lunges on the stairs of the apartment building and get people coming home from nights out. Maybe at six in the morning, she said, look, we're going to have to go to the hospital. And she just, you said, we'll wait until the shift change in the hospital and we'll go in then. So around eight o'clock in the morning, I went into the hospital and it was just such a shock to the system to go into the hospital after being at home, you know, all the bright lights and... um. And just, yeah, going from a place where you felt like you were kind of in control of your surroundings and in control, somehow in control of what's going on. Like, you can't control labour, but you don't, I think you don't know that until a certain point. Um, but yeah, you're in, in the hospital and I felt, oh, it was just, it was very hard to um, go into the hospital then. Um, even though I was also exhausted and quite, you know, kind of relieved if it meant that like things were going to move faster now. But what I um, also didn't realise, like, is that, their their procedure then was to do the um the syntocinin drip so the the oxytocin drip and then you're you know you're hooked up to the drip and they also give you antibiotics because of the water's been broken and so suddenly and they're monitoring the baby's heartbeat because of the oxytocin and so suddenly you go from being in your home where you can move around as freely as you like to um being hooked up to like a few different things and not being able to move because the um wires fall off or the baby's heart rate um, can't be picked up anymore and um so I spent a few good few hours um laboring like that with the syntocin and it was very intense and listening to the hypnobirthing and I think I tried the tens as well at some point um and then before we'd left for the hospital, my midwife had talked to me about pain relief options. And she'd said, you know, if you feel like you need to go for some pain relief, like the, she'd recommended that an epidural would be the, would be the best thing. So um, I eventually opted for an epidural. And I think eventually, I mean, I slept, but I think eventually it was also something that allowed me to let go a little bit of yeah. everything and let go of any idea of controlling the situation. Um and so I slept and I rested and I the dilation started to happen um, and the epidural gave me really great relief. So um, it was then like close to um, just before eight, I think, um, when 
I was fully dilated and started. Um, so it's time. 8 p.m. Yeah. So I'd been in, like in the hospital. So for, yeah. So another 12 hours. It was like a, the, the, the staff changed shift just. Just when I was yeah starting to push. <laughs> so that was also fun. <laughs> it's a long, it's a long time for you to. Yeah. Yeah. At least you got your sleep in, I suppose, because you probably needed it for the next stage. Oh, definitely. And that was like a factor as well. I was thinking about like, you know, if I'm tired and it's going on for this long and like, how am I going to be when it comes to pushing and maybe, maybe the epidural is the thing that helps to give me the rest that I need for the, for the, for the pushing so that, um, yeah, to get, to avoid, like they talked about, there was talk all the time of a cesarean section and I really, you know, I really didn't want to have a cesarean but there are various points where I was so tired when I felt like if somebody had come in and told me that that's what's happening now, I would have been very relieved. But I'm very glad. And I was very glad immediately afterwards. I'm very glad now that that didn't happen because, um, yeah, I think it would have changed things and would have changed the experience I had on my second birth as well. So, um, mm. so yeah, it's like an hour of pushing, maybe about like, yeah, about an hour of pushing and my baby was born. And um, and I remember my first thought was um, they like knew what they were coaching me and the pushing the midwives and even the, one of the midwives whose shift had changed she stayed on with me because she'd been with me all day and I was very grateful to her for staying on as well um, so she stayed on to see him being born and then um, immediately he was born they said to me like look look down and see what you have and we didn't know the sex of the baby beforehand and I remember looking down and thinking like holy crap, like, it, it's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so, it's so, because they come out, like, fully formed. You're just like, whoa. <laughs> like, even when I, I look back at pictures, you're just like, whoa, like, that was inside me. It comes out crying and moving. <laughs> like, it's crazy. You're like, it's mad that it would be a surprise, but somehow it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. <laughs> um and then like they kind of took him over to the to do some checks and things on him and suctioned him like there was a bit of meconium like in like, uh, he hadn't swallowed any but they were checking to make sure and and I felt like an eternity that they were kind of doing stuff with him over here and like you know letting me hold him I think it wasn't that long I'm sure but um it's funny how that like that still stands out for me like that memory of like him being over there and me being like on the on the bed where I was like yeah that still stands out for me as being quite a I don't know a little bit difficult so I think anything where like facilitating a mum to immediately hold her baby like is so so important if at all possible I've actually seen these new beds. I don't know where the where I saw it, where you can still have like you can do delayed cord clamping if the baby needs like additional support, but the baby is put in a bed that's like open on one side. So you can okay. still have I can't remember what it is. Basically, if the baby needs additional support, they don't have to be brought over. Either way, they're brought over the other side of the room, as you all know. Yeah. They're right beside yeah. you, whatever way it is, they're right beside you. I can't remember what it was. I'll actually find it. It'd be good to share. Um, so 
then was he brought back onto your chest then? Um, not immediately. They wanted to, they, again, he was fine and he cried and they put a nappy on him and they checked everything and he was, he was fine. Um, but they wanted as a precaution to put him tummy down, like in the, but they wanted to have like to put him down there for a while to kind of, in case there was any, because he was kind of mucusy and they wanted to, to put him tummy down to allow that out. And at that point, I think the, one of the midwives was like, you know, just like, just give us the baby and like let her do skin to skin. So, um, and I, so they gave, so we did skin to skin and he was fine and he latched on and, um, you know, he stayed with me then. And then until we went down to the, um, to the ward and it was like midnight or I don't know, close to midnight by the time we got down. And, um, I remember like the nurse at the midwife kind of settling us and he'd, he'd had a feed and so he fell asleep and they, you know, they swaddled him like the way the midwives seemed to be able to do and I was never able to do afterwards and he was fast asleep in the little crib beside me and then Ward um, was really nice and quiet and calm and I was so exhausted, you know, and just looking forward to the sleep that I was going to have now. And like the midwife says, you know, you have to wake him now every three hours. For... <laughs> And I just thought, oh God, like, oh God, this is it now. <laughs> this is motherhood. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it was all like, it was, it was, it was fine. Um, like the breastfeeding went um, okay. And I really like, once I, um, I had really great support from my home birth midwife in the days afterwards. Once I got home, and so she was great help with the breastfeeding, and the, it, it was going fine. But there were concerns about his weight um, in the hospital. But once we got home, this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. She was kind of able to help me sort that, sort that out. And he was, there was never any question about weight after that. So, And did she stay in the hospital with you when you were in labor and when you gave birth? No, she couldn't. No. Um, there's actually one of the, the self-employed community midwives. They don't have, I think maybe the den in Cork, maybe they can do this or, if, um, but the ones in Dublin, um, they kind of have to leave you. They sign over your care now to the hospital and they can't go in with you. I think maybe she could have gone in as my doula or something, but my husband was there with me. So, um, um, yeah, it's kind of weird, like having to say goodbye to this person who's been mm-hmm. providing this care throughout your pregnancy um, and in your and in the early part of your labour. But it was so it just felt so good to have her to come back to at home. Like she visited, you know, the first couple of days, and then um, for a few more days after, like with a gap of a few days, um, a few more visits, and then like a follow up visit after maybe a couple of months again. So okay. And she just goes so good and so wise. It's brilliant. And how did you feel then? How did you settle into motherhood? Um, I think fairly well. But like, I think feeling like that there was an expectation of doing things a certain way or like of your meeting certain milestones or like the baby sleeping through the night and like all the things you stress about and think like that that is this I think it's a huge learning curve but there's there are all these books about various things so you think like there must be a there must be a way there must be a magic solution to um to the feeding or like if your baby's you know he's feeding like the public health nurse comes and tells you that like how long is he sleeping for? And he's like, she thinks he's not sleeping for long enough and maybe he should feed more and he's already feeding loads. And so there's, mm. there's so much different information and conflicting information. Like the only thing that helped me, I think not the only thing, but like one big thing for me was like that the midwife was always, you know, talking about like getting to know your baby and trusting that and trusting your own intuition. And it takes a while for that to kind of, at least it took a while for that to, for me to allow that to happen. You know, like I was trying to focus on the feeding schedules or how, like how often he was feeding and whether he was napping for long enough and all that. But like when I gave up on that and kind of, I don't know, let I would use a carrier a lot and let him take naps in the carrier and, you know, like once I let go of those kind of expectations, um, it was a lot easier and trusted my own intuition. But you don't know what your intuition is at the start, you know. Um, so you're looking at all these books and for to answer that question for you, I think sometimes, and it's not there, like, you know. Yeah, because it's a, it's a huge, it's a massive weight to carry. It's a huge responsibility in those first couple of weeks. 
it can be terrifying as well. It does. I think it, you're right. It does take a while to trust your own intuition when it comes to looking after another person. Yeah, it is terrifying. Like you get home from the hospital and you're like there, you know, in your nice, I don't know, nice tidy apartment, and there's a baby there, and you're like, I don't have the first clue what to do. Like, you know, I realized like I didn't even know. Like, it hadn't occurred to me like how like how they fall asleep. You know, that they don't just you don't just put them down in their cot and they fall asleep. <laughs> like. I had no clue. I think I hadn't even changed. I'd managed to avoid changing any the nappies of any of my niece or any babies of friends. So I hadn't changed a nappy since my brother was a like tiny, <laughs> you know. But even the um, smallest thing, like I remember I rang my sister from the coom. I know the way they have the blue blanket. I had a yeah. white blanket as well and I rang her and I was like, which one? Which one am I supposed to put first? <laughs> am I supposed to wrap them in the blue one then the white one or the white one then the blue one like that matters but you just you know it's so scary it's so scary yeah and you're like he wakes you know I don't know you feed him and like you put him down and he wakes up and you're like what's wrong like why is he waking up <laughs> I thought they were supposed to sleep in their Moses baskets or their co-sleepers or um so like I suppose like without deciding to I mean, I would have done a lot of the stuff of attachment parenting, but I think it's survival also. Like it's not, mm. my husband and that would have been very much about like listening to what the baby wants and like not trying to force anything into a rhythm or a schedule that doesn't seem natural, you know? So, um, yeah. So, and I had great friends as well who were also, I think, more or less on the same on the same wavelength in terms of that, that they were also great for kind of just pep talks, you know, and telling yeah. you like what's, what's normal and what's not and being there when you needed a shoulder to cry on and always telling you that, you know, you need to get rest, get as much rest as you can. Um, so, yeah. It's important to have those friends for constant reassurance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So then uh, let's talk about your second pregnancy. Was that planned? And yes, that was planned. And did you make do the same? Did you keep an eye on your your cycle? Um yeah, I think like I I don't think I think I'd have my periods my period back for maybe about for maybe about six months. And, um, and maybe like for the last couple of those, then I was, um, tracking when I was think, thinking about maybe, <laughs> um, getting pregnant again. I think I always had quite, yeah, like I had my periods, my cycle was quite regular all the time. And once it came back, so that made, just makes life easier, um, when you're tracking. And, but it was ages before I felt like I could even think about having another baby. Not ages, but like, you know, some people like know, like, you know, they know that they want X number of of kids and they, yeah, I felt like when I had the first one, I couldn't even imagine having another newborn, you know, up to, up to very close to the point where we decided to try again. I was like, <laughs> I just couldn't, but as soon as, yeah, yeah, we were lucky again that we, we when we decided to try that it happened um, quite quickly again. And just out of interest, what was the aspect of having a newborn that you were kind of 
not shying away from, but you know, that made you a bit anxious or um thinking about it more. I was gonna say how helpless they are and the intense exhaustion, but I look look back and I think it's more about how how helpless I was. Yeah, yeah. Um because it's such it's such an unknown thing, you know, and you think in the newborn stage that you think like everything is going to go on forever, you know, like I remember in that first week, you know, not sitting down to eat dinner with my husband and thinking, oh my God, you know, my God, we're never going to be able to eat dinner together ever again. Mm. And, you know, of course you do. And or like I had these lights in the room so that I could feed him in the nighttime and be able to see him, the baby. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought like, oh my God, we're going to have these little these funny little fairy lights in the bedroom forever, you know, or he's going to be in our bed forever. And it's just, when is he ever going to nap properly? And just the lost feeling of those early days when you're finding your feet. I think that's what I was scared of. When the baby turned into a toddler and, you know, he started to walk and talk. I was like, oh, I could do another, I could have another one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know? Oh, right. Okay. I could do that. <laughs> Not sure about the baby, but I could do it. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make a toddler, <laughs> you know. Did you go up to have a home birth again? Um, I did. And I went, um, called the same midwife and she happened to be free. So I had the same midwife. Oh, lovely. So that was lovely. Yeah. Um, and again, I called her as soon as I knew I was pregnant and I knew the drill at this point. Um, so the same thing, we did the combined care again. I had a different GP this time and who was like so supportive of the home birth and thought it was brilliant. And it was that was really nice. So yeah, I mentioned the first time around that I was really anxious in those first weeks um, before I had the first scan. And so second time around, I don't think I, well, I wasn't really anxious. I think I thought like everything would just go as um, as not the first time around. So I didn't really think about it too much. And then, I've, you know, you've got a toddler and you're working and like life is busy, so you're really not thinking about things as much as the first time around. And so I went in to have my first scan in the coom. And I was on my own because my husband was working. Um, he was in Belfast. And they spotted a problem on the scan. And so they um, sent me up to the <clears throat> consultant neonatologist to for her to have a look at the scan and um, determine if there was the the, the thing that the um, that they thought was there. And what they thought was like a thing called a cystic hygroma, which is something very like it's like a fluid builds up in the in the head, and it's something very serious and. So they sent me up and like I had to wait for hours to see the neonatologist. And then when I went into her, she kind of just um, kind of, like dismissed the first um, fear and then said, you know, advised me that that maybe I should have um, the test, the harmony test. It wasn't the time for the genetic, um, the blood test, um, testing for chromosomal abnormalities. Also because of my age, I was... Um, 38 
then. Yeah. Um, so, they, so yeah, they sent me away with this news that maybe there is something, you know, maybe there is this issue. And I went in and got the blood. I, again, I had to wait another couple of hours in the hospital and got the blood test done. Then I went home. And that like couple of weeks where I was waiting to hear, um, get the results of the test back. It was just before Christmas. Oh, thought that was really it was really horrible it was and I was thinking about this in terms of people at the moment going for COVID going in for their scans on their own and just how like difficult it is to get news any sort of news um news that is definite in its um in a negative um prognosis or news that is just uncertain you know and um so it's just it's, it's horrible but um that was my my choice and I would not advise anybody to go in on their own for their scan if they could avoid it again but um yeah it was another couple of weeks and we got the results back and then we entered the hospital and they the results thankfully were um they give you a probability and the results were very high in terms of probability that there was no okay. issue but it was just like it's just and it was you know again so early on you haven't told many people that you're pregnant and so maybe you don't want to tell that many people because you don't know what the outcome of these tests are going to be and um so that was and you're also you know in the early stages of pregnancy so you're feeling the morning sickness and the tiredness and you have a toddler and that was it was that was not very much fun that part so we'll move on to your so how you felt throughout your pregnancy um, generally really, really good. Um, I kind of like, um, I enjoy being, being pregnant, you know, I enjoy like the belly getting bigger. And, um, once the early stages of tiredness are passed, I think I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. You felt quite good in your last pregnancy in your final trimester, didn't you? So was it similar to this time, second time around? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Like, um, there were no, um, yeah, I had no real issues. So let's talk about when you went into labour then. So I was went into labour on my due date with the first one. So I thought like the second one would come close enough to his due date. But he decided to wait a whole week. <laughs> um, and like I was having nothing. There were no twinges or anything like <clears throat> that showed he was showing any signs of coming. And of course, when you have planning a home birth, you know, you're worried about the next hospital appointment or whether they're going to try and keep you there or just coming under pressure to um, go into labour naturally. And so I planned an acupuncture appointment because I'd heard um, from friends that, you know, acupuncture was, there's evidence around acupuncture to to get labour started. And so I booked the acupuncture appointment and then I woke the morning of the appointment and I was having mild, mild contractions. So I thought he got the message about the needles and he decided <laughs> decided to make some moves. And um, but it was really mild, like a very like like mild period pain. So I sent my husband off to work and my um, little boy off to crash. And I spent this lovely day like on my own <laughs> in the apartment and having like very mild, you know, pre-labor. Um, pains and doing all the things I promised myself I would do you know like I had some tv series that I wanted to watch so I kind of lay on the sofa and watch those and went for a walk and ate some nice food and 
I had a labor project, like a drawing project that I was planning to do to pass the time as well. Um, so I did some of that and watched some more TV. And um, and I think I was in touch with my midwife and I told her what was happening and she was, you know, we were just checking in. And then my sister was coming to, <clears throat> she was going to help with my, she volunteered to help um, with my the toddler either to kind of mind him in the apartment or to bring him to her place if um, we needed him to leave the or if we felt he would be better off um, leaving the apartment. And so she called me and she was <clears throat> off work. So she came over around five and she I gave her the buggy to go pick up the toddler. And so my husband came home around six and she, my sister came home with the toddler around the same time. And I was still having, like, they were intense sometimes, but they were still really manageable and they were nowhere near the level of intensity that I'd had quite early on, on the first one. So I thought, you know, I assume that sometime in the nighttime I might ramp up and that's what my midwife seemed to think as well. So I, my husband began to prepare dinner and I went off into the bedroom to lie down <clears throat> and he brought me I think my sister called her husband to say like she was going to wait around for the, for the evening anyway, even though nothing was really happening yet properly. And um, and the midwife had called and we just, you know, she was okay. She was going to take her time. And my husband brought in the dinner. He disappeared off into the kitchen again. And I ate like two spoons of my dinner and suddenly I got this, like these really serious, heavy contractions. And, um, yeah, like really intense ones. And um, I, you know, couldn't eat anymore. And suddenly I was on all fours on the bed, you know, <laughs> rocking through them and breathing through them and making noise through them. And my, my husband came back in and he was kind of like, yeah, how does, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I was just over there, you know. And um, I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is, ha- this is happening. You know, you have to call, call the midwife. So he disappears off to call her and I think he told her like it's happening now and she's she was I don't know maybe having dinner and she's like okay I'm going to finish up my dinner and then come to you and maybe like another few really intense contractions later and I called him back in and I said you know you you need to tell her she has to come now um because this is really happening it's really it's going to happen fast and I don't know how you know that I think you just know that you know and um like I was on the bed and then I moved my, my sister came in and she was I had her doing counter pressure on my back and she had no idea what she was doing but like it was helpful anyway and I still have my jeans and eventually I thought okay I better take them off because I could feel the pressure there you know and I thought like this like it's really happening really fast so I got out of my jeans I got down beside the bed and the waters broke I mean my, my husband was trying to fill up the birthing pool and my little boy was watching cartoons in the other room. And um, yeah, I felt like the baby's coming. Like the baby's really about to, about to come out. And I said to my husband and he's like very calmly, I, I said, the baby's coming, like the baby's coming now. And he's like really calmly. I think he rubbed my back and he's like, it's okay. It's going to be a while yet. <laughs> And um, on the next contraction, like the baby's head <laughs> head was out. And so. Oh, they went from zero to 
It went like I think like, I discovered after like it's like this pre- precipitous birth like it happens like, I think when it go when it ramps up that fast they call it, um, and like I didn't believe that, that could happen <laughs> because the way it went the first time around you know when you hear of people they're having the babies in the car parks and in yeah. cars and you know I wonder I kind of wondered like, how did that happen you know, and I think what it was is like. I don't know, I was so relaxed and I had this lovely day, but then once everybody got home, you know, everything was taken care of now. I was at home, I had nowhere to go, everybody was there, and it was like, okay, go, <laughs> you know. And how did you feel then? You must have been in shock, were you? Totally in control. Oh. I felt completely, completely comfortable. Like it was intense, but I felt like it was all okay. That this is my body was just like I wasn't doing anything. I was just like making sure I was just kind of staying there, you know, and breathing. Um, because there was nothing else I could do. Like it was all being done mm. for me almost. <clears throat> um, and so the head was out and the midwife wasn't there yet. Um, and my husband was quite, like I, afterwards I know that he was quite worried at that point. But like I was just like, no, this is, this is all fine. This is all like... My body is doing what it needs to do. My baby's doing what it needs to do. Um, so at that point, I think the head was out. Maybe there was another contraction and the midwife came in the door and immediately she saw me. She got me just to change positions slightly. And then the next contraction, he was out. <laughs> and like, um, yeah, my sister, I think like after she called my her, her husband and was like, yeah, the baby's born. And he's like, what? You know, you just called me <laughs> to tell me that nothing was happening. Um so it was, I don't know, by nine o'clock, um, I was in bed with the baby and you know, everything was, it was brilliant. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. And I didn't get, like, I thought about having a water birth with him, but obviously we did, there was no time. But we got into the pool afterwards, which is quite oh, nice. Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of it, but it was quite nice afterwards. Um to get in and you know I had a shower and got into bed with the nice <clears throat> clean sheets and the midwives clean up everything and they're amazing and um there was like the midwife and the backup midwife and then a student midwife who was there as well so the apartment just my sister was there <laughs> so I was like you know really full of people in this lovely way so did you feel like that was a, yeah. a healing birth maybe Um, I think so yeah like it felt really empowering it felt like like my body knows what to do and it's capable of this you know whereas the first time around I think the first time around I didn't feel like I'd properly birthed him because you you know you're had an epidural and you can't feel what's going on and you're doing this coach pushing and it just feels all very unnatural so to do it <clears throat> like that the second time around it was great it was really special and did you breastfeed as well second time around yeah and um and again yeah it was it was okay we didn't have any <clears throat> we didn't have any issues and his weight was never an issue he was a nice chunky baby <laughs> from the start <laughs> Um, and I think, yeah, I was so much more relaxed with him 
and then he was more relaxed as a baby and like you know you don't know how much of that is you and how much of that is his temperament but like he slept better and he fed more efficiently so he wasn't on the boob for as long um so all of that was just an awful lot easier yeah we definitely have a part to play in in how calm they are for sure definitely like yeah like even from things like you know you know how to hold them properly like you know the first time around you're like oh they they feel so (laughs) they feel so delicate and you don't know what to do with their head and like yeah god and the second time around yeah you're just so much more tuned in to yourself as a mother so you can tune into them better and it's lovely that you had that that midwife got to see you have the birth that you wanted as well, which must have been lovely for her. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it must have been. But it was really special for me as well because like <clears throat> I um because then we moved afterwards and like if we'd moved we'd have in Leitrim now and there's no you can't have a home birth here and so I'm really glad that we did it then and that place and oh I feel such like great love for that apartment and the place in the city that we were and there's like just it's a very positive memory for me you know um yeah cool thank you Maraid. thank you it's nice to talk about that i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to you can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.